0: Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, October 6th. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, joined by Illinois Soybean Outreach Agronomist Stephanie Porter. And we've got the three Ks here, I realized. Well, four, if you include myself, but we have Kelly Robertson down in Southern Illinois, Karen Corrigan in Central Illinois, Chris Ether in East Central Illinois to give us a harvest update because it's definitely well underway throughout Illinois I mean it it is October 6th so let's real quick just go around our table here share a harvest update what are you seeing out there if you have any yields um, feel free to share those as well so Kelly let's start with you in the southern part of the state and then we'll just go around the table
1: okay harvest is uh, underway all across from river to river so uh, across my whole territory here uh, I-64 corridor south and north to I-70 more or less. Um, yields, uh, very highly variable. So uh, the lowest yield report on corn I've got so far, field averages dry corn 60, the highest uh, 265. Um, a lot of guys comment that there's 100 to 150 bushel difference between fields of the same variety planted same day. Uh, just depends on what section you're in and, uh, when it rained. Um, I I've talked to several guys, 160 to 180 bushel corn <clears throat> is a I will call it a normal comment you hear, but you do hear the seventies, the eighties. Uh, and then, like I said, you will occasionally hear the the two hundreds and whatnot where they did get rain. Now, how spotty is that rain? Uh, I, I know of one instance of 200 and, Thirty plus bushel corn and three miles down the road same variety planted same day 130 so 100 bushel yield swing Uh, soybeans 25 to 90 uh, yield reports uh, a lot of 50s uh, 50s 60s it's kind of funny to hear guys talk about a 60 bushel field average and complain about it but um, based on the last few years that's uh, that's subpar Uh, Again, highly variable. um, Just incredible. So again, another example, uh, uh, variety planted uh, under irrigation uh, where it did not rain, um, average somewhere around 50 bushel an acre with irrigation, three miles north, uh, same variety, same soil type, no irrigation, 72 bushel an acre. Uh, So that was the difference in the rain there um deer damage uh oh my gosh uh you're looking at yield maps uh anything that's got a tree line or a woods next to it the first 60 to 120 feet is absolutely nothing um there's larger parts of the field i've had guys tell me they've run 38 plus deer out of a 40 acre field while shelling corn so um i don't know what state of illinois says there's a deer shortage but uh, we found them all where they've been hiding. So um, soil conditions are uh, okay uh, in some places. So we are able to take soil samples and get good samples, but again, move three miles down the road and you can't get the soil probe in the ground. Um, The auto probes we have, uh, it lifts the gators off the ground, trying to get them in the ground. So we just go on down the road. Wheat's being planted. Um, It's a little early yet, but a lot of guys just started last week especially with the forecast rain we got uh, anywhere from nothing to an inch of rain across the region yesterday so um, guys are just trying to get the weed in as fast as they can as well so um, that was more than just a yield report but
0: it was a great report um karen let's throw it over to you
2: Um, Well, I will say that beans are doing very well. There's most of the beans I've heard are mid 70s to mid 80s from central Illinois, McLean County, all the way up to Carroll County. Um, Just unbelievable beans. Uh, A lot of the corn I've heard has been from 220 to 280, 280 in McLean County, up to 230 again in Carroll County. There's 240 I know in Knox County. So those are pretty well better than expected. Um, Where it gets to be more variable is just across the border into Iowa. Uh, The part just north of 80, kind of between Iowa City and the Quad Cities, was a really dry area. Um, They actually didn't get any rain until about two weeks ago. So um, that was a little bit kicking the teeth, but they're running a lot of 130 to 150. You go south of 80 into Washington County, and it's like Kelly said, It's 280 in one field and, you know, a mile and a half away, it's only 200. So it's much more variable there. But um, I'm kind of I'm sitting in Woodford County, which has been off of the drought map for quite a few weeks. So It'll be interesting to see, but I really felt like all year, like the early corn was going to be the best anyway, because it was the best looking, whereas the later corn was very uneven and ununiform. And so I I kind of suspect that the yields are going to be dropping off here.
0: Thank you. Uh, Let's go over to Chris and then Stephanie, if you want to round it out.
3: Yeah, East Central Illinois, um, soybean yields have been absolutely amazing, very surprising through here uh somewhat consistent though the numbers that that most growers seem to be sharing are in the low 70s to mid 70s there are some fields that um, we've seen that have been uh, mid 80s and i have documented seven or now eight fields uh, that have gone 90 or over 100 and these are and those were documented field averages across the scale so Soybean yields have surprised everybody uh, in a very good way. There have been a handful of 60 bushel fields and some sand pockets, uh, not, not surprising. On the corn side of things, uh, 225 to 235 seems to be the reoccurring number that, that's that been thrown out. There hasn't been a ton of corn that has been shelled, but uh, I do see that changing. We just had a rain event that um, you know dropped between an inch and a quarter um in the heavier spots inch and four tenths uh down to a half an inch uh those areas will probably continue on soybeans um this weekend but i think you'll see the major switch over to corn here happening in the next three to five days and there's going to be a big push on corn to to get that out um it was a very welcome rain as well with two or three combine fires locally so it's nice to see some of those uh threats uh, put to bed.
0: Definitely, Chris. I gotta ask you real quick. What was the final results of your Twitter poll? What is the proper term for harvesting corn?
3: Combining, and and the the great debate there. Um, you know, the other one was picking, and I left picking out because picking corn to me is picking ear corn. Um, but it sounds like it's a term that's still used, so maybe I've got to put the back, the poll back up, and do picking versus combining
0: yeah because i say we're picking corn and cutting beans that's why my family has always said it uh stephanie let's throw it over to you well i don't know kelly may
4: chime in here but i we shell corn and i'm i'm like right gateway to southern illinois um but he's no
1: yeah we you shell corn and
3: cut beans thank you yeah so i I definitely (laughs) think it's geographical
4: it is geographical for sure. I was like hoping Kelly would back me up. I was a little nervous there though. Uh, so uh, my family farms an hour south of Springfield. Um, I'm located uh, in the Taylorville area, just south of of Springfield. And um, we were fortunate enough in our area to get in pretty early. Uh, so think a lot of April planting um, beans first, of course. <laughs> and uh, we planted as much as we could. We had good planting conditions. However, um, we ran into some crusting, uh, and so there was some, especially as you get south of 16. Um, the The soils change drastically thanks to a glacier, and um, we do farm not very much um, there, but we did have some poor emergence there. So think lower pops. So just wanted to set the the picture there. Um, We don't farm as much so we're very close to get finishing. Um, We were very worried about the beans getting too dry. There was a lot of people where the corn just wasn't drying down. Um, And that's not normal for our area. We don't ever have to worry about corn drying down. Uh, We plant a lot of fuller maturities. Um, And so um, we quickly started to go to beans um, because they were 12% and getting lower and, just recently we had heavy rains um so we had two inches uh to as you get further south uh 16 um it was uh, about an inch and a half um yesterday here so um we have been pleasantly surprised especially in the good soils um maybe some of the not tiled uh, to tiled um good black soils we're seeing anywhere from 230 to 250 I'm hearing averages on corn. Um, Beans kind of echo the same as the rest of the group. Um, We were very excited about the bean yields. Um, Anywhere from 70 to to 80 bushels um, is where we're hearing um, in the good black soils. Um, The story really changes drastically as you go South 16 um, and you cross that imaginary border there into some of the rougher soils, and that's where things are all over the place. Um, and so on corn, we're hearing anywhere from 115 to 150 to 190, to as much as um, 182 just recently, um, I heard that, so um, again, echoing the same thing that the rest of the group is saying especially when you get on some of those rougher soils that yields are all over the place and for some reason I keep hearing Vandalia called out um that's where my parents live and they're just uh I keep hearing that called out for some reason I don't know if Kelly if you've heard that too where they're they're really struggling there yes. um, with yields
1: yeah yields yields in Vandalia are kind of district they're uh I'm trying to think of what the Help me out. What's the road there that runs east-west through Vandalia over towards uh, Bethalto that way? Um, can't think of the highway now. Just lost it, but Not north 70. of there, yeah, route north of there yields seem to be better than south of there. When you drop, I mean, there's a very distinct dividing line right through there, so.
0: Definitely, I just circled yields all over the place is the name of the game. Is there any And, Stephanie, maybe you can just allude to this. There was a lot of disease pressure um, this summer. Talk about that. And if anyone wants to um, include anything or any other concerns there was over the growing season, besides weather, I think we've played that into it. But what was the other concerns in terms of if, what was what is affecting these yields?
1: I'll was, throw it here just. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I the thing uh, the late the early planted crops here are the worst overall. Um, so anything April planted is definitely lagging way behind May, and even early June planted corn is much 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 better than the April early May corn. And a lot of that was because <clears throat> of that forty-five to sixty-day time frame we went without a rain and with the heat. Um, it was trying to pollinate during that time, and so in our shallow, shallow topsoils, we just didn't have the water to carry. I mean, uh, fields of beans planted uh, four weeks apart, thirty to forty bushel difference in yield, uh, same maturity. You know, like a four one or a four two. So the the early planted crops are definitely not as good as the later planted crops down here.
4: I wouldn't say that we had a lot of disease pressure, um, going into throughout the season. I think we, um, it started to rain there. I, I, I call it the derecho rain. I need to quit calling it that, but the end of June where it was like, ah, finally it rained. And, um, after that, I think a lot of people decided to flip the switch to maybe put fungicide on. I think there was a lot of people questioning whether or not to put fungicide on, especially on corn, um, in some areas just because it was so dry. And so, um, we kept checking later on. Um, I had a did a check. It's not very scientific, but on the edge of the field where my brother said the sprayer probably didn't get to. And we were seeing some disease pressure creep up. We saw some tar spot, but nothing that ever blew up. Um, so I think that as far as I can tell, we don't have any checks, but fungicide was probably the a good good thing maybe this year, which we didn't know if it would be or not. And um, we did have insect pressure in uh, our soybeans um, and late too. Um, So we had a lot of that as well. I don't know if anybody else wants to comment on disease or insect pressure.
2: We had a lot of insect pressure in central Illinois. Sorry, Chris. (laughs)
3: That's okay.
2: Um, We had grasshoppers, bean leaf beetles, stink bugs, you name it. We had it and it was crazy, but it was late. Um, so I'm really kind of surprised our yields were so great, but apparently the plants had enough energy to finish off and um, you know produce high yields. I do I hear more tar spot coming in late in Iowa, um, but it was at a point it did blow up, but it was too late to matter. But I've had a lot of people comment that stock strength is not really great down towards the Jacksonville area. They've had a lot of anthracnose. Um, one of the extensionists in central Iowa, she did a push test and out of a hundred stocks, 80 of them broke. So it was pretty, not going to be fun. Hopefully they don't get another derecho.
3: <laughs> yeah, from our end, I, I think I saw the, 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 the flip side of what Stephanie saw. We, I feel like I saw all the weird diseases this year. Um, soybean leaf necrosis virus, uh, soybean wildfire uh circospora leaf blight um it, it just it, it was all the weird stuff that i literally had to get the book out and or phone a friend and see like what is this have you ever seen this before and and it was very prevalent um uh, in my geography and when it comes to insect pressure um my best term would 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 be off the charts i mean it was a compounding like karen had said of uh beanleaf beetles, grasshoppers, stink bugs, green clover worm. That's the magic magic term of the uh, the, the fall harvest season, uh, the black moths that everybody's seeing. And I wish I had a dollar bill for every time I got a phone call, text message, email uh, asking what these black moths were. Um, and it, it felt like the odds were stacked against us. And I I truly didn't think we'd reach the the yield levels that we're at currently in soybeans because um canada smoke what it what did that do um leaf defoliation leaf disease uh you know loss of photosynthetic area i I just i thought we were on track for 65 maybe 70 bushel beans not not 75 and 85 bushel beans so um on the corn side of things still pretty quiet and calm a little bit of tar spot crept in but nothing to uh make any impact on on yield at this point
0: and something real quick I want to bring up is I saw a lot more weeds in soybeans this year. And I know that has to do with rainfall and when it come, when it didn't come any comments on weed pressure this spring or this past growing season.
3: Yeah. I'll, I'll say it was, the- it was also in the corn. Um, don't, don't count out the just soybeans as cornfields come off. You see areas that are still green. Uh, that's not green leaf material. That's where they ran water hemp and or something through and and that's that's a product of you know shorter hybrid based off the the dry uh conditions we had and then we got that late June early July rains and there was still sunlight hitting the ground our prees were done um the second flush came and was never addressed so it's not only in soybeans it's in corn too so this is it's it's full circle Kelly go ahead yeah, I was
1: going to just say so on the disease and insect front, real quick. Um, disease corn-wise, um, it was kind of funny that uh, we saw southern rust after fungicide was applied in the corn, uh, but it was being found on the lower two and three leaves of the corn plant, uh, not ear height or above. And so um, that's that snuck in on us. Uh, we didn't expect it because it was dry. We didn't have any water. We didn't have any uh, fronts coming through, but yet southern rust uh, showed up in the, in the lower leaves uh, a, after, you know, started, so it was there before the fungicide application. Tar spot came in late. Uh, at that point, nobody cared. Um, it was over. So either, either were not, you weren't going to do anything about it. On the soybeans, um, the biggest insect pressure we have is deer um deer deer have done more damage to anything this year um they've literally i mean decimated fields um i've got growers that bought thermal night scopes and would count 40 to 60 head of deer in bean fields at night just mowing them off uh, some bean fields were planted replanted four and five times this year so as far as uh, weeds go um went to um Went to Northern Illinois, north of Bloomington, to a field day back in August, and uh, I guess I was shocked at the amount of water hemp I saw in bean fields and cornfields up through there. Um, that that kind of blew my mind. Uh, we've got weeds down here, but I don't know if uh, if it was the rainfall or lack of rainfall or what, but. Uh, the biggest thing we're seeing right now, especially out soil sampling, is copper leaf. Uh, is just is just underneath the canopy of the corn. Uh, not much water hemp or anything, but uh, uh, weed control wasn't much of an issue down here this year. Uh, if you don't have any water, about the only thing you can't grow anything. So.
2: Oh. I- Go what Chris said, you know, the water hemp came in with that last rain, and most herbicides were off label, and the ones that were still on label wouldn't have touched them anyway. So, but I have saw several fields, like you said, with the water hemp is just crazy in the corn, also, and it looks like the farmers didn't even try, but we know they they obviously did.
4: I know in our area we did have some people uh, skimp a bit on some herbicides just to save money, and that did not pay off this year. Um, and I know some of the worst weeds that we had were um, in the, the beans that we, we tried to plant early, but then um, were washed out. And then we still had to wait to, for them to dry out to maybe replant. And we're trying to decide to replant. And then it hailed. So then we did replant uh, almost a month. I don't know, two to three weeks later. Uh, we were a little worried about those beans. They had, they didn't canopy uh, as quickly, and that was another issue, and uh, they had probably the most weeds. Um, I was surprised with their yield, though. Uh, they were a little thick for, for my taste um, when you went back in and added some more pop there, um, but they didn't yield too bad. Uh, so I was a little nervous about that, but that's probably the most weeds that we had
0: um the last question i have and then you can open it up if anyone else has any questions or comments but any concerns headed into the spring i know it's never too early to think about next year in fact many farmers are probably in the combine grain cart and they are thinking about next year so what's your take heading into the spring
1: well i'll um uh, i'll go first on that one i guess i said so so right now the biggest a couple of of two or three things on farmers' minds is uh, is just inputs for next year. So um, we're we're seeing something down south that we haven't seen before, and that's a very segregated uh, availability or lineup of fertilizers and whatnot, depending upon what brand retail you are. So uh, very few selections of uh, different types of fertilizers. So Uh, this has thrown a lot of guys for a little bit of a loop that they're not able to get the fertilizers that they had before. Uh, One guy commented to me, he said, I'm already tired of designer fertilizers. Um, And so guys are rethinking that. Um, The, uh, the, the decision, I mean, this year is not uh, going into next year, hybrid selection, variety selection. Uh, Guys are just probably going to stick with what they, Uh, did this past year because there's no rhyme or reason to anything so making selections new selections for next year is pretty well out the door Um, and then uh, the 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 elephant in the room that uh, we finally are going to start talking about down here this year is uh, lime and lime applications Um, uh, we've got a lot of retail locations that have because of employee issues uh, manpower have quit hauling and spreading limestone and so there's even lime in the in the field piled from last year that never got spread several retailers have said we're not spreading lime we don't have the people to do it trying to find getting that lime and so as as, as a guy that soil test and knowing what the ph of some of these fields are um, this is a big issue so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of equipment dealers making some big bucks right now selling uh, fertilizer and lime trucks and spreaders
0: Karen, we
2: want to jump over to you. Um, I had, this is one for some of the younger farmers, this is the first year that they're going to break even and they haven't experienced that in their farming career. So I think that is kind of putting them a little bit, you know, making them more cautious, but in the same breath, I know several of them have said that they have secured their inputs for next year for almost half of what they had to pay for this crop. So that's at least giving them a little bit of hope. Um, obviously we need to address the water hemp. It was really hard to put on um, residual herbicides when the first round of residuals was never activated. Um, there were some some let's say illegal applications trying to get some of that water hemp, which is, um, if you're going to do something like that, you might want to make sure you get the dicamba from the corn cleaned out of your tank before you show up with dicamba damage a month after everyone else. So, um, we definitely need to make sure people are looking at labels, but we are going to have to address the water hemp, and the water hemp is always easier to control as it emerges. So, definitely soup up your pre emerge. Um, products for that and get that under control. But hopefully we have rain during the season next year so that we can at least get our herbicides activated. But like, like always, you know, sometimes you need to look at non-chemical control for some of our water hemp issues. And I think people need to to start experimenting that way um, to try and find different things to do because the herbicides are really running out in this area, and we don't have anything on tap to come in that's new.
3: In my area, I think some of the things to consider as far as for next year, um, again, don't forget about carryover. Uh, we have we're far from healed up on moisture, and I think we're set up to see similar instances that we saw this year. A lot of a lot of carryover. Um, the other thing you know, I think we'll hear a fair amount out of it. We've got a new soybean record. And I, when I read those stories and, and digest that, I say, okay, what, what are growers going to take away from this story? And I think the big thing there is going to be the fact that he was able to do that with 77,000, um, final stand. So again, lowering populations will be, uh, a topic of discussion, uh, through the winter and spring months as growers plan their crop. But, um, I want to remind growers that you know, as as we look at lowering our soybean planting populations, um, you know, do so with proceed with caution. Don't make that such a thin margin of error that uh, you set yourself up for replant situations. Make sure you've got a great seed treatment. Um, so if you're going to do a reduced uh, planting population, uh, you're at least giving it a a fighting chance. And then on the the, the herbicide th- side of things, you know from a retail standpoint, you know, inputs are down. Uh, I hope growers don't skimp on that side of things and come at both corn and soybeans with a, uh, with guns blazing, so to speak, when it comes to, uh, weed control.
0: Stephanie.
4: I think I I'll just round it out here and kind of add to everybody made such great comments. Um, I think Chris just took mine with the weed pressure overall, that is going to be one area you cannot skimp for sure. And um, as I make recommendations for the following year, I think back to some of the field calls that I made and I do, you know, first and foremost, I think farmers are going to have to realize that this year was not a normal year um don't base some of your your hybrid picks based on plots you know this year this is not normal things we saw were very abnormal this year some of the field calls that I made and the drought intensified things um but it does make you realize that there's things going on out in the field and so definitely do not skimp on some of your your um herbicides uh going forward and i think um especially in the eastern part of the state there is a lot of non-gmo soybeans and there are some you know contemplating whether or not and chris might have a comment for this you know whether or not they're going to continue that program or go to traded just because mainly of the the weed issues that they they saw um going into some of the field issues that i did see i heard kelly mention lime um stumbled upon a lot of ph issues um and then some people hadn't soil tested perhaps or they hadn't you know put lime on for a while and it just hadn't <laughs> crossed their mind and when you have better soils and you get rain, you know it can mask some of those issues and especially you start seeing issues creep up in corn and so definitely be aware of that I would say. And then um, I guess we have to think back to all those earlier season root rot issues that started to creep up after that heavy rain that we had in late June. And so a lot of people figured out that they were, you know, seeing things like Phytophthora, Um, And perhaps, you know, we are wondering, you know, is some of the Phytophthora overcoming some of the resistance that we have in some of the varieties or do we just need to make sure we pick a variety that has good resistance? Um, Those are all questions, especially when you go and start picking varieties for next year. And um, red crown rot did creep up and was found in in several areas across uh, Illinois and is now found in Indiana now. Um, also, of course, in Kentucky. And um, we don't know a lot about it. And the one thing that we can recommend, and it's by no means gonna be, you know, the savior, in, um, but the one thing we do have now is, and seed treatment was mentioned, is Saltro, um, You know, Think that that is one thing that we have labeled for it currently, um, but we have a lot more work to do in that area going forward um but i i am worried about the soil moisture and i think you know the biggest thing that everyone's kind of touched on already is really tight margins um and i'm i'm glad to hear i haven't heard anything about inputs i'm glad to hear they're a little lower i didn't notice that yet and some of the things that we bought um and purchased yet uh but um i am glad to hear lower inputs but i think there I'm starting to hear a lot of people um, that are struggling younger farmers as Karen mentioned that um, we've had the last couple years were really good high yields and we've had great years, uh, um, especially in central Illinois, and so the next couple years um, are going to be challenging.
0: It's definitely been an abnormal year. That's for sure. Any other comments or anything we forgot, anything you wanted to throw in this episode? No,
3: All I'll good? Add, I'll sure. add, I'll add one thing. Um, so, so one of the things that, that that's been popping up in the last two or three days is growers were hot and heavy into soybean cutting was, uh, getting phone calls on green stems, leaves on the plants, low yield. And, the, the fields that I went out and assessed from those phone calls, um, that is clearly a source-sink relationship. Um, I saw it a lot last year. Very similar weather patterns, uh, where dry middle of the growing season started to get some some rains on the tail end. Um, those plants perked back up, but it was a situation where in high ground in lighter soil types, that plant only supported the yield that. It, it could based off of the, the lack of moisture that we were seeing in those geo, in those specific areas of the field. So when we did get rain, they perked up, uh, they produced a lot of energy, but it had no place to go with it. So again, that source sink, the source being the plant creates energy, the sink being the, the fruiting body, the, the, the pot itself. And um, it was just too late. And there wasn't enough pods to go with that, that energy and, and dump it. So you're left with an accumulation of energy in the, in the stems, which causes green stems. It, it holds on to the leaves longer. Um, and again, those are areas that are going to be lower yielding. So that's, that's what we're seeing in those areas. I think growers look for a smoking gun on a disease. You know, why is this happening to this plant? And it's, it's truly environmental.
4: Are you seeing poor seed quality on those plants? I've seen a couple instances. I've just seen pictures on my phone. Um, what does the seed quality look like? Because I've seen some nasty seed coming out of those fields too.
3: Yeah, it is. You, you're seeing some discoloration, um, some Um, But yes, are the, those areas. Are do, the seed coats have... kind
4: of wrinkly? or are you Yes.
3: Seeing... Yes, and and not your typical uh seed shape either um when we think about soybeans
4: and those were it looked like I, the pictures i saw and it's only i've only seen a couple where the beans are it looks like they're just they're not even i mean they're just have green leaves on them and they're 10 they're running like 10 percent moisture on tea yeah
3: it, Absolutely. They test. And then the other crazy thing is, you know, as you pull and assess a plant, it's the the plants are actually throwing uh, new flowers, because it's essentially trying to dump that, that energy somewhere. Um, And I pulled up a picture from last year to show a grower of, you know, when I had pulled plants and then uh, stripped the pods off of, you know, a, a plant in a ripe area versus a plant in a green stem area. Um, and somewhere to a third to a half less pods. Um, the date that I pulled those plants was the exact same as the um the, the day that we were having that conversation, October fifth. And to see a plant, you know, a, a mid-maturity group three plant trying to throw a flower on October fifth, um, that's yeah. Says a lot.
0: Well, as Kelly, did you have something to add?
3: I was
1: just going to throw this out there because I think <clears throat> I think we're about there's a dynamic out here that nobody in the ag industry is talking about or very few people are talking about and that's the labor issue and I mentioned it with retail but it's also affecting farmers and I've had more and more and more customers talking to me about <clears throat> where to find labor where did the labor go and especially um, I, I will call them my um, mid-sized farmers uh, older gentlemen particularly you know farming three four five thousand acres that can't find truck drivers can't find seasonal help now uh, who are talking about either cutting back or, or entirely getting out of, out of the business and um this is it's become a, a huge issue uh, more and more i'm running into more and more farmers looking into h2a workers um and so it's just not an, on the retail side you know uh, when a re, you know when a retailer says we, we don't deliver fertilizer anymore because I can't find CDL drivers and where did all the CDL drivers go? Uh, where 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 are all these seasonal help at that we used to have and uh, and it's 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 going to change in southern Illinois. It's going to change the face of farming very quickly, a lot quicker than a bad crop or or high input prices will.
0: Definitely. Uh, Real quick, if Kelly, Karen, Chris, and Stephanie, you can, and if you could just share how to contact you in case any of our listeners or Illinois soybean farmers want to get a hold of you to talk about any of the subjects you shared today. So Kelly, let's start with you. Then we'll go to Karen and then to Chris.
1: Yep. You can get a hold of me, uh, Precision Crop Services, LLC, um, at uh, precisioncropllc at gmail.com. Or you can give our office a call, 618-435-3133. I will warn you, if you call that phone, you're going to get an answering machine because we're never in the office. So, but we will call you back when we get a chance.
2: You can uh, check our website, mcagronomics.com. So, and my email is mcagronomics at gmail.com.
3: Uh, you can catch me. Uh, can go to the Ehler Brothers Company website, E H L E R B R O S dot com. Uh, and you can find all my contact information uh, on the, the website.
0: Thank you. And then, Stephanie, you want to pull a plug or put in a plug for Hillsoy Advisor?
4: Sure. First and foremost, uh, she was worried I wouldn't say it, but of course I was going to say you can go to El advisor especially if you want to learn more about those maws. There's a, there's a blog there in our field news. Uh, and then um, if you want to catch me, um, you can go uh, email me at stephanieporter at or catch me on Twitter at skporter.
0: Yep. I know, Kelly, you're active on Facebook and then Karen and Chris are pretty active on Twitter. And Chris, you have a Facebook page too. So they're available on social media. So again, thank you all for joining us today. Um, Thank you for listening and we will be back soon with another episode.